Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, listeners, we have the absolute pleasure of talking to Emma Nadler. Now, I have been following Emma's journey slash stalking her, and I'm really excited to talk to her. Well, I am too. So listeners, our guest, Emma, is a psychotherapist, author, and speaker. Her memoir, say it, Rach. Memoir. We. The (laughs) Can't help it. The unlikely. We had to. The Unlikely Village of Eden is a funny and hopeful memoir about learning to adapt and accept when life doesn't go to plan. Oh, we know something about that. Definitely. Redefining redefining community and creating your own imperfect path. I love that. Her memoir is available wherever you get your books. Okay. I recently read her memoir. I'm just going to say it the real way. We know what the real way is. I know we do. So it is funny. It is hopeful. And so just a little information on the title, the unlikely village of Eden, because I love a good book title. Eden is the name of Emma's daughter. So we're going to talk about that. It's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful story. And I actually, I think that I first learned about Emma. She's been all over the place in a good way, like so much great press. But I did listen to her interviewed by our friend and friend of the pod, Nina Badson's podcast, Dear Nina. And I was like, we need to talk to him. Yes, this will be, as usual, a wonderful conversation. So excited to bring her on. We're so excited to have you here today on Life's Accessories. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here with the two of you. Thanks for joining us. So I have the honor and pleasure, Emma, of asking you what accessory you plan to share with us today. I am sharing my earrings that uh, my dear friend Kate gifted to me around 2019. They are, just to describe them for listeners, it's a pair of gold, round, like modern, but vintage looking earrings. And they have three lines on them. I thought they were a peace sign when I was recalling them in my mind. It's really not a peace sign. And that would be weird. like, that's not what I want to do. So it's not a peace sign. It's just like a V. And the reason I chose these earrings is because my friend Kate has been so gracious with me. I have she has given me earrings. I've lost the earrings. She'll send me another earring. She knows that my daughter, who has a rare genetic deletion, I can't wear my earrings when I'm around her. So I often, if I'm working or I'm I'm wearing earrings, I have to grab the earrings off of me and put them in my pocket. And so often for safety, because she might pull on, she's not intentionally trying to hurt me, but she might pull on the earring and then it would rip it out. Almost like, 
you, you might know this world, right? So it's like, even if you have like kind of a baby that doesn't know, you know, they can just grab onto those earrings. And so Kate knows this, that I pocket my earrings and then inevitably lose my earrings. <laughs> and she's been so patient with me. And every time I lose an earring, she's honey, I'll get you another one. Like she's same, so, is it the same earring she, she's or different? Me, the ones that she's replaced, I actually, they're, I couldn't do it because I only have one now again. She replaced them <laughs> and then I lost one. I'm just lucky this person is still my friend, basically, is what these earrings represent to me. Like, how are you friends with me? Thank you for sticking by me as I lose these precious objects that you're so kind to give me. And these, I actually thought, I thought I lost them. So I had emailed you, this is what the accessory that I'm choosing and then these went through the washer and I was like, no, oh, I no. can't lose them between when I told you I was going to do these earrings. And oh, the so they're clean. We know they're clean. They're yes. so clean. I found them in the washer and we're good. That's amazing. What's also clean? My sunglasses and my AirPods. <laughs> Get all the things clean. You have to, you have to, it's important. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. First of all, I love. <laughs> This accessory that you shared and the story behind it, I was laughing a little bit about the peace sign because I was thinking about when you dress up for 1970s day and you wear like the peace sign earrings and you're like in the cast of hair. I love that we're going to talk a little bit about things lost because I feel like we could do a whole episode on items lost, jewelry lost, but also what a good friend Kate Mm. is to you. And I think that's just really amazing what this represents as far as a friend who's so devoted to you. So it sounds like Kate has been a really good friend. And from reading your book, you have a really good group of devoted friends. And is that something you can expand on a little bit? Yeah, I definitely feel so grateful for, yeah, for her understanding and other friendships that also give so much grace. And I think it's like what we can, one of the things we can give to each other is just understanding the circumstances of our lives, whatever that is, and giving each other grace. And and I am making it sound like I'm a little worse on the losing just for comedic effect. I'm like, how many have I really lost? I've lost and found of it them a few times. I think she's replaced maybe one to two pairs. So it's not, and we've this had, is not a perpetual issue. No, here, I'm, not like the, I'm not the worst. I'm making it sound like I'm the worst, but I'm not the worst. I, but I have, she's really been so understanding every time. And I do absolutely appreciate that. And these came because we were on a trip together and I was admiring her earrings and she said, let's try them on. I want to show you all my favorite earrings. You try them on. So we did this like trying on session in a bathroom and she was like, do you like those? I'm like, yeah, I like these. And I think my, my recollection, which sometimes is hazy. So then I end up fact checking with people about this, but my recollection is she just said, then take those. I know where to get, I I'm going to get myself another pair. And she got them at the shop in Durham where she lives now. But I think she just said, we'll have them. They look great on you. And that's what I, I think so. Um, and I wear them all the time. And I wear them like when I have something that I know I'm going to need to bring my whole self and I'm, I'm mm. nervous about it. I might wear them. I just bring this 
understanding friendship with me. And I love carrying that in this form. I'm so struck by what you just said, because so many of our guests have said similar things, right? They'll put on a bracelet or a necklace or earrings or have a special handkerchief or whatever it is to to bring your best or full self. Are there other things that you have that when you have these special or important moments where you make sure it's with you? I always have my glasses so I can see. We love your glasses. Yep, we, we took, do. We took yes. for our listeners, we took a screenshot of Emma. Her glasses are the best and you can see the earrings too. They're really cool. Yes, very. I sometimes try to go without my glasses and then I'm like, I can't read. And so sometimes I, I try that, but it works a lot better when I can see. And I do have some bracelets also that Kate has given me over the years. And so I layer those. And, and so I have a lot of things from her. I also have a special locket from my grandmother that was something that I love that has a picture of my dad and my grandfather in it that was something I considered as the accessory that I was going to bring but truthfully I thought the earrings had a little bit more of a funny story to it so I wanted to go that direction so how long have you and Kate been friends we have been friends for about a decade Can I pivot a little bit to get into sort of the meat of your book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, because it's really beautiful and it came out this past May, so still pretty new. Um, It was described as a stunning debut memoir, a truly poignant read that shines a light on the humanity and neurodivergence, the heart of parenting and the soul of psychotherapy. And those words were said by Adam Grant, who, by the way, is a New York Times bestselling author of Think Again and the host of the TED podcast, Rethinking. So not to name drop or anything, but some pretty (laughs) cool people are loving your book. So this is a big question, but tell us about the inspiration for the book and why you wrote the book. I wrote this book because as a caregiver to my daughter, who has this rare genetic deletion and a lot of medical challenges and other disabilities, including autism and developmental delays. I wrote this book because as a caregiver, I our, our lives are often so tucked away mm-hmm. and we are often not seen. And there's 53 million caregivers in the United States. We are definitely not alone, but it's so easy to feel alone. I really wanted to share the story because in the hardest moments with my daughter, when I would just be like, laying on the ground next to her crib and trying to deal with her feeding tube and keep her alive and wondering, is she, will she live? Will she be okay? How is this going to end? I just felt like I'm going to do something with this. Like I need to make this experience feel like it matters more than to me. And so I really felt like it came out of those really difficult, despairing moments and also the hope of the life that we've built and the ways that we've been able to access love and joy and dance parties and community and all these other parts. I think I wanted to show both. I think a lot of memoirs about caregiving can be really, they can be a little one-sided or a little bit like, this is how my life found purpose. This is the joy of my life. And I really wanted to share, this is the joy of my life. And it's also like the hardest thing. And Mm. I don't want to pretend that this is all one way. 
you challenge the script that mothers should be martyrs and all and also about the real truths in caregiving as you said but can you go into that a bit more because that's just so fascinating to me Mm -hmm. yeah I really had hoped to work with the universal themes and the book is at its core about when life does not go to plan so even though I'm talking a lot about caregiving in this moment I've had many people come to me and say I was divorced and this really resonated or I had cancer myself and this really made sense to me. There's a millions, there's millions and millions of ways that life does not go to plan for most people at some time in life or many times. I think that piece is connected to an experience of motherhood and how many of us are grappling with like, how do we do this role in a way where we can still be people, like we can still be whole people, we can still have lives that that are with and beyond our children, that we can um, continue to be who we were before and integrate who we are now. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of identity pieces there about motherhood and and wanting to keep parts of myself. Because there there is this, and especially if you have I don't even want to say, I was going to say, if you have a child who has a disability, but I really think it's for any mother, like that there's a, these questions of how do we remain who we are mm. and continue to grow as mothers, but how do we keep like this core essence of our own selves when we, yes. when we love people so deeply? I think, I think, I think that's so spot on. It's so spot on and not to yeah. compare, contrast, whatever, but now I'm actually remembering when you're talking about caregivers. I learned about you and your book on our friend Nina Badson's podcast, who we, we've talked about offline and online. But also, I do recall, I was struck one day this summer because my father passed away about a month ago. I was his caregiver for a long time, along with an, other people in our family and paid caregivers and stuff. But I think you posted something about this post is for the caregivers, and I didn't really know you actually. And I didn't know if you were a caregiver to a child or a parent. And I read it and every situation is different, but you made me in that moment, in that like Saturday afternoon, you made me feel seen. And I, I'm just mm-hmm. remembering that as you said that. So thank you actually for caregivers of all kinds all over. I just had to to tell you that. So thank you for taking it from that angle and for showing that caregivers are people. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it's incredible because you're caring and that just, that pulls so much energy out of you. And yet you are expected to just keep marching on with everything else. Like nothing else is going on, right? That everything's just fine presenting to the world. Like, yeah, I got this. And sometimes lots of days you do lots of days, not so much. And I'm guessing you've talked about friendship being so important in those relationships. Do you find that you're talking a lot to your friends do you turn to them a lot I do I first want to just say thank you Rachel for sharing that with me and it really matters to me like I I love hearing that it that connected with you and that for that moment that you felt less alone and I think that's really what we're here to do on this planet is to help each other feel less alone and that's what I want to do and just in general, I really appreciate that. And, and that comes out of my experiences of feeling alone at times for sure. And my book is a lot about that and how easy that is like caregiver or not, we just live in a world where we have to work really hard to stay connected to people. It's like a long-term project to, 
stay connected and be in community. And and with my friends, do I talk with them? Do you mean like about my life with Eden or caregiving pieces? Yeah. I try to have it take up a room, but not the whole house. That's something a a therapist told to me about anxiety. Let's have it take up a room, but not the whole house. Like it's okay to have whatever hard thing is happening, but can we give it a room? And then when you give it a room, you have other rooms you can go into and other Mm -hmm. places you can be and visit. And I think for me, that sense of containment is really important. Yes, I talk about it. I don't really talk about it a lot because I'm living it. So when I see my friends, I'm like, I want to hear everything that's going on because I want to know, like, how does the other half live? (laughs) I want to hear just, I want to talk about all kinds of things and the hard for sure. And I do, and I do, and I have my people and I not against calling them crying when I need to. And then also try to bring in the the other parts of life too. The other rooms, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love that. I wrote I that down. That. Stephanie are both Me writing too. it down. I'm gonna, I that's going to be, Rachel, we've been talking about signs, right? Like, Oh my God, that applies to everything, whatever hard thing you're going through. And it's okay to cry and laugh. And it's okay to talk about the hard stuff. And it's okay to gossip or as long as it's fun right. gossip or what are you reading or what are you watching or whatever. But it's interesting that you just brought up that you heard this from a therapist because mm-hmm. in addition to being an author and a mother and a friend and a earring fan and a loser of earrings you are I should right so many things a loser some of one earrings, earrings. some Just earrings I can't even remember the details I've lost so many pieces of joy I can't even tell you but you are also a therapist can you tell us what inspired you to go into the field of psychotherapy and how has your work informed your parenting and your life and your writing my mother is a therapist and my aunt is a therapist so we have big therapy energy. Do you want to coin as a term, BTE? I like, why so. are people using big therapy energy? I feel like big therapy energy is like the kind of therapist that goes We're on. We're going to hashtag that. I'm working on an essay about big therapy energy, but I had just, it hasn't really gelled yet. So let me know if you have any ideas about that. But okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I, and I, I'm a big feeler. I'm a big thinker. It just, I get it. Like I get, I just can have a lot of empathy for what people are going through. I love exploring the infinite questions with people and all the existential, like that, that never, like people are like, do you get sick of hearing about people's problems or like what they're going through? And I'm like, literally never. So I guess it's it's a good fit in that way. I don't yeah. feel, I feel there's always interesting things to explore. Yeah, we want to get into that because we did read in your work that you want to explore creative approaches to life's seemingly impossible to solve problems, which I think is so interesting because take a medical diagnosis, right? Here's your medicine or here's your surgery. But in fact, the more you dig into some of these things, like they're all there, there's more than one way to solve something. So tell us about how you look into problems creatively. When I'm doing therapy, I'm really most interested in what is important to the person I'm working with. So I'm really working with them about like, based on their values, their hopes for their life, what they want, supporting them to move towards that. So I'm really careful and 
thoughtful about my own, what am I bringing to this? Because I'm most interested in what are, where are they at? Right. That's what we need to look at. And I couple that with really an insistence that I do believe that you can have a good life, even if there's something really hard, monumentally difficult. And this is something that my therapist said to me that was a really big life-changing moment when I was telling him about some some pain or some, I, I don't even remember what we were actually talking about. It was something about caregiving. It was something about exhaustion. I know the headline topics. Yeah. And yeah. he said, I think you can still have a good life. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I, I write like about I'm this in, in therapy right now. <laughs> this is amazing. I know. And it was yes. like me because, and I write about this in my book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, that no one had ever said that to me before. And and when you have something difficult going on, people will often say, I don't know how you do it. Mm. I could never. Oh. I can't imagine. And it's all. It's well-intentioned. It's, right? it's well-intentioned. Well yes. Absolutely. But it's not what you want to hear. Yes. No. Distancing because it yes. says there's a putting you, you in a box. Me, yeah. And I'm really glad I'm not in your life. You're in another colony, yeah. right? You're yeah. like, you're yeah. over there because you have yeah. a different life. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's a little, and it can be laced with pity, which I think is really one of the most hurtful things that totally. that we can do as humans and that I've done. And that I I'm I know that I, especially before I had Eden, I think it's just human, but I I really try to work with that and, and not get into those that mental, that mindset now, because I think that's really hurtful because it really one downs the person that's in that experience. And I think when we can look at people who are going through something difficult and call to mind that there is still a good life within this, and that includes struggle and grief and sadness and that can be part of a good life. That is part of, that is all, that is that's life, grow, right, all of these things. Moments of joy and beauty and hope and like all the things. Like, so when he said that to me, I I think there was a bit of a before and after. And, and so now I really tried to live that with the people I know and the people I work with. It's about to seeing the, I hate to say the silver linings, right? But I think about when my mom got her, diagnosis and was going through treatments, et cetera. And I remember she never asked why me people who never asked why me and no anger. But what she said that was so striking to me was what a blessing because without cancer, I would not have met these incredible people. These people would never have been in my life, which I was so struck by right to see that to recognize this is part of life right this is how I'm going to exit the world physically and the gift I'm getting in this painful time are these incredible human beings who are enriching my life so true I feel like we are in therapy because I just want to share one more thing Emma with you about (laughs) that your therapist said to you you can still have a good life and 
I hate to talk about my dad, but he is on my brain right now. And in my eulogy, which I gave for my dad about a month ago, one of the stories I told about him is that my mom had died 20 years before this. And one of the things he said to me, which was such a gift, which was right before I got married, before he walked me down the aisle, I was crying a little bit because I was, my mom was very sick. And he looked at me and he said, Rach, you're going to have a good life. Mm. And that is just funny, not funny, but it's interesting that you said that because Your therapist said that to you in a very informed, I'm telling it to you this way. My father was not a therapist, (laughs) but it is interesting to bring that up that yes, you can have a good life and a lot of challenges and no one's life is perfect. And to the point of your book, no one's life is sticks to the plan that you thought it was going to be. There's so much I want to ask you about. You wear many hats and you do some work as a speaker. What are you speaking about these days? And what are some of the things that I guess you like to speak about or that you're interested in speaking about? I have been talking about relationships when life doesn't go to plan. Mm -hmm. So how do you build relationships and maintain relationships during difficult and joyful times? That's something I'm really passionate about and thinking about. And, and I think I have, unique insight on that from my own experiences, for sure. That's one of the things I really, I like talking about perfectionism, healing from working with perfectionism. I think that's a a really fascinating topic. Those are a few of the things that, that I've been talking about, but I think anything relational is endlessly fascinating to me. Because I just, we, as we know, I think there's just like unbelievable amount of research about how Mm -hmm. much relationships and friendships impact our lives. And then I think, but then we're all, the question becomes, okay, so how do we do it? Because in our world that's fraught and we're so, can be so divided or even just logistically with the amount of to-dos that I think most people are experiencing and feeling so overwhelmed. It's like, how do we make time for each other and how do we live that way? So all those questions I'm really um, interested in exploring. Interesting. Um, we were just talking about that, Stephanie. Yeah. Weren't we just talking about all the to-dos mm-hmm. this time of year and just how all do you- of them? Yeah. So many. And I'm curious about perfectionism, your take on it. Is it about the pressures we put on ourselves to be perfect? Tell us a little bit more about that. I think it's societal pressures. Yeah. So, because I, I think we even say it's the pressures we put on ourselves. And yeah. in, even in because. that question, there's almost a self-blame. <laughs> wouldn't right. be perfectionist. And it's, I'm yes. really interested in the systemic challenge of patriarchy and capitalism and how do we look at some of the bigger systems that insist that we are the problem. We are not the problem. <laughs> yeah. I We're am not- overwhelmed by thinking about this right now. I know. It's a I lot. Know. You're right. These are questions we have to examine. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. This We could talk to you forever. Great. I'm in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let's do it. I do need a actually, part two. <laughs> I know. Part two. I do want to bring it back to the accessory now. So for these earrings, do you wear them a lot? And I'm interested, you were saying before how you'll wear them to work. And then I guess maybe you sometimes, if you remember quite purposely, take them off when you're with Eden. So 
Tell us about that. That sort of reminds me of like a Mr. Rogers, take your sweater off when you're here. You know what I mean? Talk to us Thank about that a little bit. Thank you for comparing me to Mr. Rogers. Oh I my gosh. Like, you yes. are just, just as wise I'm as done. My I work is you. fun here. I love you just the way you are. Yes. Right? He used to say, uh, you are the Mr. Rogers we need right now. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I just love thinking about him. And yes. And what you just brought up, Rachel, about I love you just the way you are. Yes. And exactly as is. And it's isn't that the message we all need? I'm yeah. just going to take yes. a minute and like soak, just remembering yeah. his whole thing. Yeah, I guess it does. That makes it sound a lot more fun than, dang, I got to get these earrings off. Like now I'm going to be thinking about that and I'm taking off my right. cardigan. Right. Um, that's really a nice comparison. Yeah, I think I often do have my end of day where I take off my earrings and I put up my hair and I usually most of the time wear it down for therapy and and then I'll put it up for home life because or else it gets messed with. So yeah, I have my, my end of day, shake it off. And that's part of, that's part of my ritual, unless I forget. And then I put the earrings in my pocket and then that, and then, and then we know yeah. what happened. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> we know what happened. And they get for cleaning. Yeah. Exactly. For deep cleaning. And then yes. they get the old buff and shine. So yeah, yeah. for That's some right. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, you are the most extraordinary human being. And it's been just such a pleasure talking with you today. Where can our listeners find you? You can follow me on Emma Nadler writes. And you can check out my website for more information at emmanadler.com. And you can get The Unlikely Village of Eden anywhere you get your books. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I can't believe we're done. I was, (laughs) I I had the best time talking with you too. I really, (laughs) really enjoyed this so much. And it's been our honor to talk with you. I like in a flash. So thank you for your time, for being so gracious and for being such like curious, wholehearted conversationalists. Oh, I think I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn. Great. No, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And thanks for our listeners to tuning in for yet another episode of Life Successories. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life Successories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, 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 oh,